Today's going to be a great day in the Lord. I've already felt his presence here. If you've already felt the presence of God, will you just say amen? Amen and amen. There's nothing that can compare to the presence of God. Amen. Nothing that can compare. If you have your Bibles uh, with you today, turn to Genesis chapter 25. I'll be there in just a moment. These last few weeks, uh, last week we ended the series of Holy Spirit. If you enjoyed the Holy Spirit series, would you just make some noise or wave at me? We just heard so many stories about people just being uh, uh, enlightened about it and touched and empowered by the Spirit. And uh, it was just a great series. And all of those, all those messages are online at iTunes on our podcast. So be sure you click, uh, check on those if, um, if you were not here or you missed those. So be sure you check those out or share those with someone who may uh, need that series. Um, this past few weeks, I've been kind of a little more evangelistic. And I'm going to be a pastor today. I want to teach to you and just give you a real life lesson. Several years ago, I heard this word, uh, a portion of this word preached, and it really has stuck with me for at least, uh, I believe it was 2010. And uh, I want to share this word and, and some more that I have in addition to this word to you today. Because the devil loves, uh, the, the, the devil hates when a church is growing. He really does. Um, he, the devil will never be able to kill the church, but he can hinder its growth. Uh, and he loves it whenever it seems like you're on fire. It loves it when the he loves it when the church uh, uh, it, um, it, when the church is growing, and all of a sudden he loves to sneak something in your life. And so many times those things that come into our way are simple choices that we make that can just truly, truly uh, shift our life for, for the worse. And I want to talk to you today about appetite, appetite today. When we hear the word appetite, we think automatically about food. And some of you may be hungry right now. And you think, yeah, I, I, I feel an appetite. I feel the rumbling in my stomach. You, you're ready for your, your Mexican after this. You're ready to go across the street. You're ready for O'Charlie's Firehouse. Whatever, whatever your Sunday special is, you're ready for that. But there are so many different appetites in our life. There's an, there's, some have an appetite, a desire for acceptance. There is an appetite for fame. Some people want to be famous, and they're, and they're doing everything that they can to further that career, whether it's an actor or singer. They have the appetite for fame. Some have an appetite for things. Some have an appetite. Uh, they, some people have an appetite to be envied. They want people to look at them and say, I, can't, I, I want that. Or there's some guys who, who love it. They have an appetite when they're walking down the street, and they got a chip on their arm and they just want everybody else to say how did he get that you know they, they have that appetite for envy then there's some who who have an appetite for responsibility and achievement they're never really satisfied at their job they always want to continue to climb their ladder they're they're, they're, they're not going to be happy until they reach the very top these are appetites that so many people have in their life this is the truth about appetite and I want you to mark these two things down two truths about appetite today. One, number one is you are a product of an appetite. You are a product of your appetite. Number one, you are a product of your appetite. There are things in your life right now that are simply a product of your appetite. 
There are things in your life right now that you are dealing with. Maybe, maybe you had that appetite six years ago and you made a decision then, but you are still dealing with whatever that thing may be because of a choice of that appetite. Some are dealing right now with debt because you have an appetite for shopping. Some people just max out a credit card. They, 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 they've got to have those things, credit card after credit card. They have an appetite uh, for shopping. So, so right now they're dealing with debt. You have, you have to have an, you may be one of those people who have to have a new car every other year. You may be one of those people who you want to be a fashionista on a barista's pay scale where you always want to be looking hip and fly, but, but, but you're only making minimum wage and your minimum wage can't get you the Gucci. Or the, or, the, or the Chanel that you like to flash around in. But, but, but your paycheck don't reflect that. So now you're dealing with, uh, with debt. You may just have a taste for the finer things in life. You have an appetite uh, for shopping. So now you're dealing with debt. Some are dealing with addictions because what started off as just a stress reliever has now become your appetite. It's something that's like been ingrained into your system. And now you are always starving and hungering for this thing. Some of you are, are health nuts. And the, that's not a bad appetite. But now you have this appetite to exercise and to eat clean. That sounds, so, that sounds so sad, eating clean. But you like to eat clean. And there's nothing that I eat that is clean. I, it, I don't understand it. But, but praise the Lord for you that you're doing it. I hope you live long. But I'll be happy when I die. But all those things, you know, all those things, uh, now you've got this appetite and you're this health nut. And not that it's a bad thing. There's good and there's bad appetites. But now you, you, you just crave health and fitness and exercise and those things. So the first truth is you are a product of your appetite. The second truth about appetite is you are a product of others' appetites. You can be a product of others' appetites. You may have grown up without a parent because someone had more of an appetite for a substance than they had for their family. There are so many people, they are calling this generation the fatherless generation because there are so many parents, they, 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 got, their, they got their priorities or their, or their appetites out of order. And then all of a sudden, that person had an appetite maybe for someone else or for a substance or for a thing. And before you know it, they left the gift that God had given them, a family. And now they have this appetite for this other thing. So, so now the, you're your children and your ex-wife and, and all of those things, now they are a product of your appetite. You may, be, you may be a Christian today because someone in your life had an appetite to raise you up in a godly home, to teach you about Christ. You are a product of others' appetites. Two truths there. You are a product of your appetite and you are a product of others' appetites. This is the power of an appetite. Appetites can be rewarding. Appetites can be painful. Appetites uh, change lives. Appetites can put you on a positive path. Appetites can make dreams become reality. Appetites can also derail your life. Appetites can also put you on a path of destruction. You are the, you are the product of appetites, and appetites are so, so powerful. Get this. It is so common when there are 
this, this sounds kind of contradictory, but famous Christian leaders, whenever you see a famous Christian leader fall, they will be on the news. It will be. It'll be on the news. But I don't know of a Christian leader, a prominent Christian leader today or ever, that has lost their influence because they didn't go to seminary. I have never seen a prominent Christian leader lose their influence because, because maybe they didn't have the right GPA. I have never seen a prominent Christian leader lose their influence over something like that. But I can give you a list of influential Christian leaders that have lost their influence because of appetite. Huh. They were on top of the world. They were doing tours. They had written books. They were pastors of mega churches. And all of a sudden, some type of appetite grabbed them. And they could not let it go. Write this down. You, rule, you will rule it or it will rule you. Appetites. Appetites, the hunger for something, the, 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 the feel that you need something. These are, I want you to write down these notes also about appetite. Number one, God created them. Sin distorted them. God created them and sin distorted them. He created the appetite for food. In the garden, he created this, this beautiful garden and you can eat anything. Eat up. It was clean, clean eating. It was as clean as it's ever been. It was great. It had just the amount of calories. Everything was great, but all of a sudden, sin. And one person ate the thing that they did not. And now that appetite was sin. He created the appetite for love and companionship and to be wanted. It is in every person. Every person has an appetite to be wanted. He created that. He looked down and he noticed Adam was alone, that he needed some help. So he created woman. He created EVE. And then all of a sudden, guess what? All of a sudden, something happened. And then all of a sudden, this desire for companionship, now sin has turned it into an appetite of lust. So now, God has created these appetites that you are feeling, but sin has distorted them. Number two, I want you to know this. Appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. Never. How many of you have ever sat down at a buffet and you sinned right there at that table? You were sick as a dog. Some of us guys, a while back, went to Fogo de Chao. Somebody got that. I don't know what that was. <laughs> it was wonderful. They just keep bringing you meat after meat. You turn your card over, and there's somebody just shaving this fresh meat off for you. And I was eating and eating and eating. I was literally sick as a 
dog. I, was, I just felt like I can't eat anymore, but I knew I was paying some big money, so I just kept eating and eating and eating. Yes, and I just kept eating and eating and eating, and I remember saying, I'm going to throw up, and us guys were sitting around the table, and we're looking at each other like, who's going to throw up first, and we get in the truck, and I can barely, like, I felt there was something growing in my stomach. I, like, it was seriously like this big ball of meat in my stomach. It was disgusting, but I felt so good. Because I had eaten my $80 worth of meat. But you know what? I said, I'm sick as a dog. But you know what? An hour later, I wanted something sweet. I needed something just to wash it down, something to break up that meat in my system. I needed some sugar. Isn't it amazing how you can eat and be just filthy full, and an hour later, you're standing at your pantry? It's like an appetite. It's never really fully satisfied. And, 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 and the truth uh, is the same, the truth for any appetite to be wanted or desire for things or whatever. No matter what it is, it will never fully be satisfied. And the enemy loves for you to think that there is something or someone out there that whenever you get married, it's going to rock your world. And you're never going to want anybody again. And it's just going to be like honeymoon every day of the week. Honeymoons last a week. Then you go back to work, and then you're in this thing called life. And appetites start stirring again. But the devil loves for you to think that if you smoke that thing or you take that thing or if you, or if you, if you go with that person, if you, if you lay with that person, it's going to just fix everything. He loves it. Appetites always want now and not later. They will push you to trade the ultimate for the immediate. They will push you to trade some big things in your life for just something, just for a quick little fix. Let's look at the word today, shall we? It's the story of Jacob and Esau. Brothers, brotherly love. They were not just any brothers. This is a story in the Old Testament of these brothers. It said even in their mother's womb, they were already jostling with each other. Hmm. Brothers. They were not just brothers, but they were twin brothers. But they were so, so different. Esau is the older brother. Here Esau is the older brother. He's the outdoorsman. He's the hunter. He's the man's man. He likes to watch football. He likes to wear tank tops. And uh, he's, he's, got, he's got a four-wheel drive truck. He's got rims on it, and it's, it's jacked up. He's one of those guys, the man's man, the burly man. He was one of those guys. But then there was Jacob, the younger brother, the exact opposite. The word said that he liked to stay at the tent. He, was, he helped around the tent. He helped around the home. He made sure everything was ready for everyone else. These two were the exact opposite. Then, we, in this story, there's a very important thing that comes to play. 
It's called birthright. And during this time, the birthright would always go to the firstborn son, not daughter. It had to be the firstborn son. And in that moment, when that child was born, it was like a gift from heaven. The birthright was so important. You wanted to be the firstborn son because you would get double the inheritance. Yeah. You would have more wealth. The birthright was all about wealth. You got to be the judge of the family whenever there was a decision to be made. You were the tiebreaker. You would tell them what would happen. So not only do you get wealth, you also get power. Not only do you get wealth and power, but you also got the blessing of God. This sets up our story today. Here, Esau is the oldest. He has the birthright. He has wealth. He has power. He has blessing from God. And the story comes in in Genesis chapter 25, verse 29. It says this. Once when Jacob the younger brother, was cooking some stew. Jacob is at home cooking stew. Esau came in from the open country, famished. He just got through drag racing or something. He was starving. And he said to Jacob, Quick, younger brother, Let me have some of that stew. I'm famished. How many of you have little kids that come walking into the kitchen? I'm starving to death. And I'm like, how are you walking? Walk yourself to the refrigerator and find yourself something. You're about to die. Go eat. Here he was. He's like, I'm famished. I'm starving. I've had nothing to eat all day long. Now let's set this picture up. How many of you have a sibling? Just raise your hand. Okay. Esau, the older brother, is all of a sudden needing something from the younger brother. That never happens. It's always the younger brother that wants to be with the older brother. It's always the younger that that always gets left out. No, you can't ride with me. No, 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 you can't wear my clothes. No, 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 you can't hang out with my friends. No, 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 you know, my, my friends are here. No, you're not staying in my room. How many of you have ever been in that situation? You were the younger child, poor you. And then all of a sudden, guess what? The older brother needs younger brother. So the younger brother being the smart man that he was. Like, okay. Okay. You want what? You want some of my stew. That's awesome. So Jacob, being the younger brother, like any young brother would do, sits back and thinks, huh, what can I get from my older brother? Hmm. I'm going to play this right. How many of you, younger siblings, whenever your sibling came to you, finally, and asked for a favor, you said, well, can I wear that shirt? Can I drive your truck? And finally, they, you, you, kept, you started up, you started big, and you worked your way down. And finally, you may have got a dollar out of it, but you got something out of the deal. Jacob, being this smart little bro, was like, okay, you want some stew? That's awesome. 
This is great. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> I know he'll never do this, but hey, Esau. Um, sure, you can have some stew. Um, if you give me your birthright. <laughs> give me your wealth. Give me your power. Give me the blessings from God. <laughs> and Jacob, can you imagine that? This is where this story gets so, so crazy that it's really hard to imagine. Who would sell their birthright? It sounds stupid. Who would give everything to their little brother? Have you ever been at a wheel reading and you're just waiting for your name to be called and you get a plate and your brother gets money? Can you imagine? All of a sudden, he's like, take it. Who would sell their birthright? Who in their right mind would sell their future wealth? Who would sell their power? Who would sell their future blessing? And here's the answer. You might. Huh. And some of you are selling your birthright right now. Who would do something so crazy? The answer is you would. But who would forfeit their marriage? Who would forfeit their children? Who would forfeit everything? Who would forfeit their job? Who would forfeit all of these things? And the answer is people who cannot control their appetite. Look at Genesis 25, 32. He says, look, little bro, I am about to die. I'm so hungry, I'm about to die. What good is this birthright to me? I'm starving. What good is this birthright to me? In other words, he says, what good is my future? When I could have a little something now to satisfy my appetite just for a few hours. Mm. Sound familiar? What good? Why do I need a birthright? I'm hungry. When I need something right now. And this is where I would love to step in the story. Pop in there just like this. Yo, Esau, I know you've never seen me before, bro, but look. Let me tell you what's about to happen, okay? Um, look, Esau, okay, you're going to have 12 sons. Okay, Esau, I know it's really hard to imagine right now. You're starving to death, but just hang on. You're going to have 12 sons. Okay, you're going to need that inheritance, bro. You're going to have 12 kids. Do you know how expensive a baby is? You're going to need that money. You're going to have 12 sons. And guess what? They are going to become the 12 tribes of Israel. Guess what? You're going to be daddy of a nation. Esau, can you imagine? That's your future. You're going to give birth to a nation. Can you imagine? Hear those kids screaming downstairs? That's what your house is going to sound like, bro. <laughs> You're going to have a whole nation of kids. You're going to be the daddy of a nation. 
And look, I know this is a long ways away, okay, bro? But listen, there's going to be this old guy named Moses. He's old, okay? Old guy. Guess what? God is going to appear to him one day, okay? Just out of the blue. I know this is hard to believe. God is going to appear to him one day, and he is going to introduce himself to Moses. First time in the Bible. And guess what he's going to say, Esau? Guess what he's going to say? God is going to introduce himself as the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. <laughs> OMG! God is using your name to introduce himself, bro. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that great? Dude, it gets better. There's a guy named Matthew. He's, he's going to write a book in the Bible. I know you never heard the Bible, but you'll be in it one day, okay? Just listen. <laughs> Matthew is going to write a book in the Bible. It's going to start the New Testament, dude. And guess what? I know it's 1,000 years now. But guess what? Matthew is going to pen a chapter in the Bible, the first chapter of the New Testament. And guess what? The first words in the New Testament are going to be, bro. And, and, and this, this, this is what he's going to say. It's going, he's going to give the lineage of Jesus Christ. And you're a part of it. He's going to say, get this, bro. He's going to say, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. He's going to say, Abraham, the father of Isaac. And Isaac, the father of Esau. Dude, you're going to open up the New Testament. It's you're, it is going to be amazing. Can you imagine this, bro? It's all going to be yours. If, if you don't take that. I know you're hungry, but all of that is going to be given to you. If you don't take that, all that is going to be yours. But if you take that, it's going to change everything. Everything that God has already ordained for you. Everything that God has for you. All the plans that God has for you. All of a sudden, if you take that right there, it will change Scripture. And then, no longer will Scripture say, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But whenever you let your appetite take control of your mind, guess what it's going to say, bro? It's going to say, God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and your younger brother, Jacob. It will change the future. Don't do it. The problem was I wasn't there. To stop Esau from, buy, from selling his birthright. I wasn't there when the appetite was screaming at him. There was no pastor in sight. It was just him and the person that wanted it really bad. And guess what? The problem with life is, Whenever your appetite starts screaming, there will be no one there to say don't do it. 
You'll be all alone in a room by yourself, in a room with that other person that you should have never been in the room with anyway. And there will be no one there to say, look, bro, don't, don't you do it. And all of a sudden, guess what? All of a sudden, appetite kicks in, and it will just be you and that thing. It will just be you and the thing that is trying to destroy you. It will be you and just a bowl of stew. The thing that you've created an appetite for. The thing that could change your life for the worse. How many people have thrown their family away because of a bowl of stew? How many people have thrown their dream job away because of a bowl of stew? How many people cannot even see their children today because they have thrown it away for a little bowl of stew? But you don't understand, Pastor. I'm so hungry. Hmm. It's good. I'm starving. You don't understand. I need this right now. If I don't eat this right now, I'm not going to make it to 11:30. But it's so good. You don't understand, Pastor. You don't understand. She's the one who texts me. <laughs> I know I'm married, but <laughs> she texts me, and I was hungry. So I ate it. I, 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 I got it. Yeah. You don't understand. I've been clean for five years, but now you don't understand. <laughs> so I just walked up to me and offered me one. So I did it. You don't understand. You don't understand. You've got to understand something. As your pastor today, I'm telling you, so many of you are under attack. So many of you the devil has put a bowl of stew right in front of your face. And he is waiting for you to make one decision on your appetite that will rock your world for the worse. This is not a shouting message today. This is a message from a pastor's heart today. Because let me tell you something. As I said, the devil hates a growing church. And the devil loves to create chaos in the middle of something that God is doing. And there's about to be some bowls of soup in people's life where you're going to be all alone and you're going to make some decisions that could totally ruin your life. And it's not worth it. It's not worth it today. 
It's not worth it. Do you understand that right now the, the, the devil is planning a scheme and there is something out there. There is someone out there. There is something, someone out there that has been on your appetite and you have been wrestling with it. You've been fighting with it. It may be a thing. It may be a person. It may be a substance. You may be looking at things you should not be looking at. You may be having inappropriate talks with someone, but it, we're just talking. No, no, no. You don't understand. You're just one bowl of stew away from throwing it all away. And I'm telling you today, it's not worth it. God has a plan for you. And when people and when the church gets to the place where they can control their appetite and the appetite is not controlling them. When they get to that place, guess what? There will be an outbreak of victory. There will be an outbreak of souls that see the person triumphing. There will be an outbreak of all of these things. But you think you're cute and that you're walking around and nobody knows that you're struggling with it and nobody knows that you're one bowl of stew away from throwing away your life, from throwing away your career, from throwing away your family, and you just walk around like everything's all right. But inside of you, there is a hunger that is stirring up and it is screaming, I'm about to die. Feed me. Is it worth it for a bowl of stew? Something so little. You have had an appetite for everything except for the Lord. And God is ready for a church that eats at his table. God is ready for a church that will pull up to his table. You've had a little bit of that, a little bit of him, a little bit of her. You tried that lifestyle. You tried this. You tried drinking that. You tried smoking that. You tried watching that. You, you've, you've done all of these things. Just, 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 just double dipping from all these bowls of stew. No, God said, no, no, no. You've got to understand. If you want to control your appetite, you must eat at my table. If not, you will find yourself in this thing called life and you will be all alone one day and you will have to make a decision. Am, am I going the way that what God wants for me or am I going to choose the stew? What is it? What will it be today? Will you stand with me today? I just wanted to tell you today I felt in prayer this week. I've, I was praying for the church this week. Really praying for you all. And God really spoke to me and said, there is somebody here that's about to make a horrible decision. There's a man in this place and you are contemplating cheating on your spouse. And as a pastor, I'm telling you right now, do not do it. That stew is not worth your marriage. That stew is not worth your children. It is not worth putting your children, living your appetite that you had just for a moment. It's not worth it.
There's a lady in here. You are contemplating suicidal thoughts in your head. The devil has told you you're not worth it. The devil has told you to give up. The devil has told you you might as well eat the stew. Nobody loves you. Nobody wants you. Go ahead and take the pill. Go ahead and end your life. Go ahead and get the gun. I tell you right now that the devil is a liar. You are worth it, but the stew is not worth your life. God has a purpose for you today. Some of you, you are in situations on your job where you have been doing maybe some illegal things. God is telling you right now to stop it. Do not lose your career over one bad choice like that. You you, you maybe have slid a decimal over or you've done something like that. I'm telling you right now, God is speaking to you right now saying, do not do it. I have purpose for you. And if you will overcome this appetite, I will release something on your life that will allow you to reach other people. God wants to do something through his church, but we are walking around and we are starving for everything but him. God says, if you'll just come to my table and be hungry for me, will fill you up. If you will come to my table, I will fill you up. And I will bring those appetites where they should be. Don't take the stew today. Don't take the stew.